Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Knowing what some guys are doing, like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body just to sleep at night. Like, just so we could be there for each other. And I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place. And as a leader, that pisses me off. If I'm being honest. You guys got to play for one another, play a, a full game, and, you know, it's, it's 60 minutes from start to finish, coming out starting fast and then closing our game. Making plays when, when you know, taking on that burden, wanting to be the guy that, uh, you know, or the... Or, Want to be on offense when, it, when it's time or wanting the ball or, or wanting to shut it down when you're on defense. Just wanting to be the guy to make the play. And, you know, I just don't got enough guys that are, that are fully bought into that right now. And I think people like the idea, but when it's time to actually execute, it's, it don't turn out that way. I, I can't speak to what he was referring to specifically. Um, but in my, my opinion, you know, when you see us out there fighting and grinding and playing hard and we're right there at the end of the game, like I don't have any, any issue with the effort or uh, comp- you know, competition that, that I saw on the field yesterday at all. Dysfunction Junction, what's your function? Dysfunction reigns for the Las Vegas Raiders. And you know Derek Carr has a point to make when he shows up for a press conference with sleeves. You know. <laughs> you know. He wants you to pay attention to his words, not his guns. So, uh, look, I... What do you expect? Woefully underperforming. It's a mess. The fans are up in arms about Josh McDaniels. Derek Carr, I don't know if he was being passive aggressive. I don't know what point he was trying to make on Sunday as he was like on the verge of tears, real or otherwise, throughout that entire press conference. And he did raise the point that maybe others in the locker room don't feel the same way about this as he does. Devontae Adams backs it up. And then Josh McDaniels says, I have no problem with effort. I don't know what's wrong with the Raiders, Chris. What Do you perceive a lack of effort when you 
No. When you see them play? No, I I, I don't. Now, listen, I, I think what you're seeing here is it's, it's, it's a lot of drastic changes with an organization. One, I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, there, there's guys here that I'm sure on their football team, they know they don't have a future. Wait, I was a Gruden guy. I'm made for the Gus Bradley Seattle defense. They're not going to really have me here after the year. Damn, they just, they just, you know, cut Jonathan Abram last week, right? You know, the, the guy that was a first-round pick from the prior regime. So there's a changing of culture there and a changing of the attitude altogether. Gruden, he lays out the red carpet for star players, and he kisses their ass, and, oh, I love you, love you, love you. And then he, you know, he craps on the negative player, the players that aren't as good, and, you know, there's, there's that there. The New England way, that doesn't go down with anybody. It's it's a different, no, we don't care who you are. You got to do your damn job every play, this play, be detailed, work hard. So there's something going on there. You know, that that's there's a changing of the culture. And where that that's where that comes from. And again, they, they're not playing good right now. They've blown some fourth quarter leads. You know, do I think they're better than their record? Yes. All right. But here's the other thing, Mike, too, that I think is confusing this situation and, and, or not confusing it, but adding more pressure. You know, the fact that they did go 10-7 and seven last year and they went to the playoffs. Everybody just looks at it and goes, well, they should go to the playoffs again. And we know that's not the case, but it is Josh McDaniels, and for whatever reason, he's a guy that people like to jump on a little bit. And what I want to say, too, is... Whoa, 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 right? time out. What, what increased the perception that they're going to be better this year more than anything else that happened? What's the one thing that would pump up the idea that this team is ready to build on what it did last year. Yeah, sure. Devontae Adams, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. Don't right. go make that trade if you're not ready to keep chasing the brass ring well, right now. Well, it's, it's, it sends a message that's exactly what you're well, doing. Well, but, but, it's okay, an older but, receiver. Yeah, I get it. But, but basically like, a two-year Did deal. you really think the New England way was going to be infused into Different an organization issue. in Different. three months, four uh, months? Uh, that's insane. Well, here's the problem. Right. Here's the problem. Yeah. The, and this is the problem. And, you know, look, we saw a very affable and congenial Josh McDaniels at the scouting combine. Mm -hmm. These guys leave the Belichick nest thinking, I'm going to do it my own way. What they don't realize is their own way is so inextricably intertwined with the Patriot way, they don't even realize how much the Patriot way has shaped their way. And they're they're being a rebel. They're still Belichick. They're little mini Belichicks. Matt Patricia goes to Detroit. I'm going to do things my own way. I'm going to be different than Belichick. And he still goes in there with that basic Belichick template of trying to change the culture and try to do the things that Belichick did. And it pisses off Darius Slay. And it pisses off everybody else who's had it relatively easy as it relates to what the demands are, what the expectations are. So that's the problem. It takes time to get the Patriot, even if you think you're not bringing the Patriot way, whatever way you're bringing, it takes time to change the culture. That's the problem. And when you go out and make the big swing for Devontae Adams, you create the impression, we got this. I I don't disagree with that. We wouldn't go get Devontae Adams if we didn't think we could get this thing moving right away. Because that is a move that tells everybody, we're going all in. That's an F them picks move. That's not a, we're trying to build something here move. So they should have never done that. It created an unrealistic and inaccurate expectation of what the Raiders were going to be this year. Well, yeah. I, I still think this move is more than just about this year. It's about the, the future and having like an Edelman, Gronk, Brady type of 
you know, trio on your offense. Draft that guy. Right. Draft him. Don't don't give up well, multiple first round picks. Well, for him. you know, again, that that's it's the New England way too. They they they, they wait. We see a proven yeah. commodity, and that's what we do. Now that's we don't where, know how to we don't know how to draft and develop receivers in New England. Well, maybe not. We don't. They just went with a proven commodity there. But the, my point is, either way, I know it's not been great. But like the, the, the when you when you go Josh McDaniels and then you go Dave Ziegler as GM who came from New England and you go Patrick Graham who was the Giants' D coordinator last year but was also in New England before that. That you have to let that process play out. You, 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 that, when you're going the New England Patriot way. You got to go. Wait, we're in this or the long play, and I hope that's. I think that's what Mark Davis sees here. We're in it for the long play. We're in it that they're the culture they build, the people they bring in. First round picks are not as you know maybe is important to a team like this because they find a lot of great second and third and fourth rounders and let their process of their scouting department and all that find all the gems and hidden gems you know in free agency that's the new england way that's the beauty of what they do that's not going to be done overnight now your Devonte adams point and how that was done you're right maybe change that perception added to the fact that they were 10 and 7 last year and what i want to say to people too is 10 and 7 last year like the most if you really break down them from last year, it's a very unimpressive 10-7. and seven. I mean, that that's where I want people to realize, too. First off, Rich Bisaccia did a great job. But, man, they beat the Steelers in that crappy offense early in the year when Big Ben and them were throwing the ball, you know, one foot per play. They beat the Dolphins and Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. They, beat they the, overcame the most dysfunctional, I know. dropped out of the sky I, on I John it. Gruden's head situation that I've ever seen. I get it. And you. they got to the playoffs. I, that, that's all admirable. I get that. But that does, still doesn't make up to the fact that you got to play the Broncos twice and Nick Mullins Browns down the stretch. And they got to play the Eagles. Nick Mullins catching straight. Well, you know, hey, Carson Wentz on, hey, I don't want to take the COVID booster, so now I miss a week of practice and I play like shit in a game against the Raiders. I was to get in the playoffs. So, you know, again, if you look at it, not only did they have some bad stuff happen to them, they also had a shamrock up their ass a little bit in a lot of ways, too, with how the schedule played out for them last year, too. They weren't as, as a, a great 10-7 and 7 team is what I'm saying. I mean, they got killed by the Chiefs. They got killed by the Bengals. They got beat by the Giants last year. They got beat by the Bears. I mean, we're talking about teams that stunk last year, and they got beat by them. Like, not just beat, but, like, handled, like, by the New York Giants and teams like that. So, you know, again, there's respect for what they did, but I also think that I'm just trying to say is to the – maybe the expectations and adding to this conversation there in Las Vegas right now. If they had a shamrock up their butt last year, they've since had a shamrock me. <laughs> Mark yeah. Davis, this is the big surgery. <laughs> and, and look, Mark Davis needs to understand the connection between perception and reality. Then again, I'm not sure he does, because he keeps going into Josh McDaniel's office after these losses, and reporters see it and they write about it, and it creates the impression that you're not getting called to the principal's office. The principal's coming to your office. You know it's always bad when the boss comes to see you. You're not, you're not even bothering to have the, you go see the boss. Boss is coming to see you before there's even a chance to call you to the boss's office. And so there's just been this vague, weird, is Davis going to do something unpredictable? Is he going to do something erratic? We're just only eight days removed from Jim Ursay and his big move. So what Mark Davis said yesterday, and there's the quote on the screen, people want instant gratification. This guy's coached nine games. We're two and seven, and the results we're looking for 
Not the results we're looking for, but at the same time, we've lost six one-score games with the ball and a chance to win at the end. I gave him my vote of confidence when I signed into a contract to coach the Raiders. That's when I gave it to him. Rome was not built today. In other words, in other words, I'm not going to pay this buyout. I'm not paying this buyout. That's that's what I've been saying the past few days. And somebody smarter than me or somebody who thinks they're smarter than me pointed it out. It may be debatable. He's never going to pay the buyout. He may want to fire him right now, deep down, but he's never going to pay the buyout. And I wouldn't rule out, I mean, now they've laid Kiffin overhead projector, fire him for cause if you can. Maybe that's what happens a year from now. I don't know. But he doesn't want to pay the buyout. He's made the commitment financially. He's not going to turn it around now because it's going to cost him too much. And he's not one of these guys with money to burn. You know, it was funny. I, I, he had c- kind of a nonchalant, flippant comment when the Walmart moguls took over the Broncos. Oh, it's no different. We're, we're successful against them. The difference is they, they don't bat an eye about buying out their coach if they want to change sure. coaches. Right. They got the money to do it like that. Yep. He doesn't in comparison. No one does in comparison, so no. uh, except for Bezos. So I think that, Chris, he's got, he's got no choice but to let this play out because he just had to write a big check to John Gruden, and he doesn't want to have to write a check to Josh McDaniels to not coach the team. Yeah, well, I, I don't disagree that that's you know, probably part of the equation here, but I, I hope that he's smart enough to know that, wait, I've, I've gone all in on this way, and we've got to let it play out a little bit. You, know, you you fire Josh McDaniels, and you might as well just get ready to fire Dave Ziegler, the GM, too, and you're going to have to cut that check, and then it's only a matter of time before you have to do that for Patrick Graham, and the, you know, you're, you're cutting a bunch of checks here if you're just doing that. And again, give a chance for, to me, th- this is where I just let this process play out a little bit. You know, let the Raiders scouting and drafting and free agency you know, kind of come to fruition here and see what he can build that way, that that's to me the beauty of, of why you made this move. I didn't think they were making this move to go, oh, man, now they're in the Super Bowl conversation. And so uh, I'm hoping Mark Davis you know, sees that aspect of it, especially after he came from a guy where it was our horrible draft picks and all this crazy kind of crap that never really worked, and it didn't seem like the GM and the head coach were on the same t- side there. And, yeah, you know, after four years of not making it to the playoffs, they made it to the playoffs, right? I mean, but, gosh, before John Gruden and all that happened last year, you were sitting there going, I don't get it. The guy gets a free pass. He gets a free pass. He doesn't go to the playoffs because he's friends with Mark Davis and all of that. And, you know, he has all that issues happen. They go to the playoffs without him. But regardless, there were some things there that we all dissected that were like, man, it seems like him and Mayock don't agree on that draft pick. It seems like there was a fight. I hear that they're butting heads behind the scenes. I hear they're not on the same page. So, you know, let this new process play out with some guys that, you know, have been around the master in New England and, and see if they can't, you know, infuse that into your organization. Look, the reality is Gruden was running the show, but he didn't yeah. want the label of running the show, so right. he could blame Mike Mayock for his dumbass decision yeah, in yeah. drafting players. And right. now Mayock's the one that's stuck with the stink of Cleveland Farrell and Jonathan Abram and, and Leatherwood, the other mistakes Alex they've made from a personnel right. standpoint the past four years. Right. It's, it's all on it's all on Mayock when Gruden's the one who was making those calls. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We are going to take a closer look at some of the key moments from the game of if I say game of the decade then people say oh what about that Rams Chiefs game but it's a new decade game of this decade in the regular season 
Vikings-Bills. Closer look at some of the key plays that happened along the way. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. You're going to be blowing that, that horn all year long, baby. Fourth and 18 for the Vikings from their own 27. He caught it! Are you kidding me with that catch, JJ? Hey, they're going to be blowing the hell out of that horn on Sunday. Vikings have a couple of road wins. They go back to the Dome for five home games in six weeks. Oh, my gosh, that Dome is going to be rocking. Don't go and knocking on Sunday. So what we're going to do. Did you go? Are you going to go? Did you ask for time off from work? No, I can't. Oh, oh, hey, I work. I work 18 Sundays out of the year. Well, and you, I'm going to ask for one of the 18 off so I can go watch a game. I'm, I was kidding about that. Uh, I don't know. I don't playoff, think it was that crazy. Playoff, playoff, I don't think it was that playoff, crazy. Playoffs may be different. I don't think it was I, crazy. I, I was, I was trying to, I was trying to noodle a plan this morning <coughs> for how to right. like, well, depending upon how things fall, wild card round, divisional round. Cause my son and I already have a pact. If they're in the NFC championship, wherever it is, you're we're going. going. All right. We're going. Cool. That'd be great. You guys, you and guys, he says, and he and here, listen, my son. This is what happens when you're in your twenties. And if it's in Philly, I'm wearing my Viking shit, and I'll get into fights if I have to. It's like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, you won't. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Won't. yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, no, no. You're right. Be careful. We're gonna go in disguise. We're <laughs> yeah. gonna go disguised as Rocky Balboa and Rocky Balboa Jr. If we <laughs> if we go to the game in Philadelphia. Um, all right. So, so wait. All right. So wait. After we, I just want this too, just to be a because I know we're gonna go through some of these plays in these moments. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Am I crazy? But I still don't think Minnesota is one of the best teams in football. I know they're eight and one. I get it. I think that you know that Shamrock we talked How about. How do you define? Well, best I know. Team? I know. What do you well, define it based on? No, well, I. It, it. You know. Again, it, it's. I know they're winning games and they're they're doing the right. You know, some some good things. But as far as dominant play and dominant moments, that's where I, I don't know. They're few and far between. I, I know. That's where it's crazy. Here, it's just here, a good conversation. Here's the difference, though. Yeah. Here's the difference, though. Every other year of Kirk Cousins, right? He'll have that Kirk Cousins moment where he takes a bad sack mm-hmm. or he fumbles or whatever. Right. They just have an uncanny knack for recovering from that. It's almost like it fuels. It's almost like it's the the prologue to the great moment that's going to come after it instead of the beginning of the end. Right. It's the end of the beginning. This year. It's like the that's the, the jumping off point for the Vikings to go do something that you don't expect. And it's happening too often. So it doesn't matter. Look at the stats. Doesn't matter if they're outgained. Doesn't matter if the other team had the ball for a bigger chunk of the game. Doesn't matter what the yards per play are. None of that matters if you're finding a way, if you're willing yourself to victory late in the games, because at some point 
it, it, and I think that's what happens Sunday. It, it takes on a life of its own, and you get kind of a feel, and you have a level of confidence. Confidence begets confidence. You know, I, I think back to the 1999 Rams, who had a very easy schedule that year. Very easy schedule when you go back and look at who they had to play. But they start winning games and winning games, and it's working, and it's working. We're getting better, and we're getting better, sure. and we're getting better. And the next thing you know, they're ready to – it's not like they, 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 they blew out the, the Rams – or the Bucks in the NFC Championship, or the Titans in the Super Bowl. They weren't dominant in those games, but they had just enough confidence to win it. All right, let's get to these moments. Um, and let's we've got like five or six of them. We'll see how many we can get to. Let's start with the play of the year, the catch from Justin Jefferson. It's right up there with the David Tyree helmet catch and the Odo Beckham catch. It's kind of an amalgamation of the two. The circumstances aren't nearly as significant as they were in Super Bowl 42, but... This thing just defies all logic and explanation. And it really does. Applicable rules of physics. Yeah. And the more I watch it, the harder I, 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 harder it is to process how he actually got the ball. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that he doesn't hit the ground when it gets to this point right here. But actually, the other guy is holding it in his hand for him. Yep. You know. Yep. That, that's the amazing thing, right? Where you know, again, I know he made a comment yesterday, like if I knock the ball down, we just win the game. And yeah, he got greedy and tried to intercept the ball. And the fact that he tried to do that. Help Justin Jefferson secure the ball there, and it is. It's just a, it's an amazing catch, and just like any amazing catch, it took a little bit of you know luck and everything to go along with it. But oh my gosh, I mean, it's every week with this guy right now. Justin Jefferson is is just on fire, unbelievable. And you know, I I was joking about him being an MVP candidate before the season started, but a moment like that is going to resonate if they keep winning and he keeps racking up the yards. Him and Tyreek Hill moments like this. are in this conversation this year. I, I do agree, I agree with you in that comment. Like they, they deserve to be in the conversation. Tyreek Hill's got to do something like that, though. Tyreek Hill's got to do something like that. To, yeah. I mean, now, or get 2,000 yards, receiving yards. Right, right. And, and he very well may. Right. That's going to be the, the question if it comes down to it. Maybe for Offensive Player of the Year. Moments versus raw numbers. But yeah. that thing, I, I still and, – and, and he told Peter King, Jefferson did, that Kirk Cousins said before the play, I may just throw this up to you. And kudos to Kirk Cousins. I mean, we got to give him credit on the front end for having the guts to throw that ball. I mean, it's not like they had any choice. It's fourth and 18. Yeah, but, but he, he knows just, who to go to in the a moment. Prayer. That's right. Winging a prayer and just get it close. That, get it close. Trust him. Right. That's it. Hey, so, there, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean – you know, we've seen Jalen Hurts throw the ball to A.J. Brown in double coverage and just go, you know, we saw Tom Brady and throw the ball up to Randy Moss back in the day and just go, there's three guys there, but I don't care. I think he'll catch That's it. That's what Aaron Rodgers needs. Yeah. He needs he needs a guy that he can trust that yeah, way. No, no doubt. Maybe, maybe it's starting to develop, but well, that's what you, every quarterback needs that guy where it's just, I'm just going to throw it, and I know my guy's going to go. Yeah, get, that's right. Just to it. Whether he makes the job, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I know a guy's got, he's got the ball skills to get it. If I just get it close, yeah, that that's that's what he's got, and he's he's one of those guys. And again, I mean, there was a few other throws in the down the stretch too that were kind of the same way. You're like, he's covered, there's nobody there, so he just puts it in the spot and goes. I think he'll make the play, and he does nine out of ten times. It's it's really one of the damnedest things in the sport right now. So that happens with two minutes left in the game. The Vikings driving to try to take the lead late. A field goal wouldn't have mattered because there was a missed extra point on the touchdown that preceded that, which yeah. which created, you know, every little every little thing that happened set the stage for more drama. Every little twist just kind of threw more gasoline onto the fire. So the Vikings get themselves in position, fourth and goal from the Buffalo one. And 
here's the first crack, and this is great. I love, I love this, and it's perfect until Dalvin Cook drops, drops the, the ball. ball, and they were saved by they they were saved by the fact that guy was offside, and and the officials didn't notice the Bills had 12 guys on the field for that play, and then it was followed up with instead of the play action, you know that's a problem. You burned the play, yeah. that worked, but for the catch, it's not like you can run that play again. So you just got to line it up and bash it through, and the physics didn't work there, Chris. Peter and I were talking about this not long ago. The idea that everyone has finally understood you're allowed to push a runner. You can't pull him, but you can push him. You need to have a package where you've got a Taysom Hill-type quarterback. You put a couple of offensive or defensive linemen behind him and just stack them up and shove them through. The Right there. as you, you, you were the one saying that Kirk Cousins needs to do more squats. Yeah. You need a quarterback who can push through and somebody behind him who can push and a third guy who can push too. Stack them together and just shove them through. That, that's, You'll probably that's, start to see that, That Mike. would have worked. Yeah, yeah. I, I, ran, I ran that idea by an accomplished coach who said, hell yeah, I would do that. Yeah. And the Vikings used the concept. They just didn't use the bodies. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that down the stretch here. And, you know, and this is a, that was an unbelievable moment. You know, that, that's one thing that gets glossed over in the situation. I know that Dalvin Cook, you know, dropped that ball there and all that too. But, man, did Minnesota – I mean, did the Bills make some big stops, you know, and, and some moments there and certainly made it tough to where they were going to have to make some great play or, you know, something magical to make it happen. Uh, but, yeah, that was a phenomenal stop by the Buffalo Bills in a tough situation. And then, and then when the game's over, and I was saying in the viewing room at NBC, I would rather lose by 40. I'd rather, get, I'd rather lose by 40. I'd rather lose by 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but then comes the moment, the moment of all moments, only the second time since the merger that a team takes the lead on a defensive touchdown in the final minute of a game. The other moment, we talked about this on your podcast yesterday, was the Joe Pisarczyk, Larry Zonka, Herm Edwards miracle in the Meadowlands. You've got the failure of Mitch Morris and Josh Allen to execute the snap because the Vikings were ready to go. The Vikings were were doing everything they could to disrupt. And the ball amazingly comes out. And I thought at first they did just a safety. But then I see Patrick Peterson's arm and everybody else, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, the ball came out, and they actually recovered it. Right. No, I, I know. And a lot of people were like, well, why didn't they just take the safety? Well, they couldn't take the safety because then they were going to kick the ball off to Minnesota and the field goal beats them. So they couldn't do that. But, hey, these are tough situations. You know, you said it right, and we can play that angle again right there and just rewind that. You know, you got defensive linemen diving at the knees and trying to get underneath the center's pads, as we talked about on the podcast yesterday. There's two or three guys they shift right before the snap, like you see right there. You know, the center, he gets nervous. He's trying to get low and fire out. So, you know, his... His soft spot to where he snaps the ball and hits the quarterback in the right way, they can be dicey. I mean, I've been in that situation. And some of the most nervous situations I've been in before are those, you know, fourth and goal going in or third and short in a big moment. And you can feel the nervousness of the center because, whoa, I got two big people right in front of me and I got to snap this and get underneath their pads. And it can be dicey. And it, it did not hit the sweet spot. And Josh Allen couldn't quite gather it in. And, just what an unbelievable moment there for them to get the recovery for a touchdown. Question. Yeah. If it's 29-23 in that circumstance, I would have do done take it. Take the safety. Yeah. Take the safety and force the Vikings to score a touchdown. I think I would have. I think that that's that's probably what I would have done there. You know, let me let's let's let me just make sure I got this right here and and 
There's a they scored this touchdown. I just want to make sure I got it right. Forty one seconds. I would have yeah. I would have taken my chance, taken the safety if that was the maybe wasted five or six seconds running in the back of the end zone. Then you kick the ball, and yes, now Minnesota's got to go down the field and score a touchdown. I probably would have, yes, but with the situation the way it was, you you, you couldn't do that because the field goal beats you. Well, and and look, the, the, here's the reality. The Bills had enough time to still get down the field and win or tie the game, which obviously they tied it and extended it into overtime. And along the way was the Gabe Davis catch. We've, we've explained this, I think, as best we can, but you can't ignore it because this was the gaff of all gaffes by the replay assistant. First of all, it was a bad call by the officials in real time. They, they should have recognized, but we see all the time officials looking right at something and they don't see what they should see, which is why you need to embrace technology. Replay assistant fails in that moment to call for a review, which was mistake number one. Well, it drives and me crazy. Mistake number two was the, 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 just the fact that it would have been overturned. Well, and, and then as quickly as even remotely close in that situation, yeah. you've got to hit the button. Right. Right. Well, and what bothers me is how quickly New York was involved in Justin Herbert being a running back and getting tackled hard. Man, did they call fast and get that straightened out. Whoa, that was too hard on the quarterback. Even though every running back in football was hit like that in a game today, we're going to it's the quarterback. So they just can't let that happen even though he's a runner. So they got there in time for that. Where are they in this instance? I mean, the game is on the line. Uh, yeah, this this cannot happen. This is this, to me, is worse than missed face mask call from last night. This is a huge moment of the football game, and you've already taken and handcuffed coaches to where they can't challenge this under two minutes. Then you can't get it wrong, NFL. Then you, you got to – maybe Sky Judge has got to be there to help you in 345 because you're trying to watch Sky Judge games. was there. That's the problem. Well, it's annoying. I mean, but and they but can't, there's a they replay assistant. Up. Right. The replay assistant is there. One job. You got one job. Activate the replay function. And years ago, it was explained to me that the standard for activating an automatic review is basically the mirror image – of the standard for overturning the ruling on the field. You overturn the ruling on the field if there's clear and obvious evidence it was wrong. If there isn't clear and obvious evidence it was right, you call for a review. If you have any doubt that that's the right call, you call for a review. Yeah. And the the bigger the spot in the game, the more likely that you hit that button. So I have a feeling that replay assistant isn't going to be a replay assistant any longer. I think that, I think that person is going to suffer the ultimate penalty. Now, they're probably part of the union. It won't be quite as easy. But I, I not the ultimate penalty. They will still they will still continue to live. They just won't they just won't have the job anymore. Um, but you know, l- let me let me ask you this. Oh God, I had a great question and I can't remember what it was now. Well, you're kind of old oh, and you're tired. Oh, it's a oh, oh, I know, I know. I'm now. very tired and very old. <laughs> um, oh, oh, if it had been a primetime game, Miles Simmons made this point yesterday. Yeah, if that had been a primetime game. 345 is on the horn. That that's that's right? that that's, that's it. not replay assistant. I know, decision. I know. That's where I was, you know, kind of. That's what I was kind of saying there. Right. You get in that cluster of one o'clock games. Yeah, now, they can't the keep track. Over, but the four o'clock games. Right. Going, yeah. They, that should have been the only game anyone was paying attention to at 345 Park Avenue because that's the one in the critical moment. The other games are early in the first. Quarter. Yeah, right. It's this not is as critical. the one You're where right. the big stuff's potentially happening. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the game where anybody that was even paying remote attention knew. This thing was growing and growing and growing in significance, in feel. It, it really it felt like a playoff game 
in early November. Well, well, yeah. The fact, just the way the game ended, and then when you when you get stopped in the fourth and one, and then wait, they fumbled the ball on the touchdown. That's the moment where you'd like somebody at three forty-five to go, "Whoa, there's there's going to be a lot of bright lights on this game. This is this has turned out to be maybe the game of the year in the NFL. We got to make sure we're we're on it here down the stretch." You know, between not only the game of the year in the NFL, it's not like it was Carolina, the Atlanta Falcons from a few weeks ago. It's two teams that we're looking at their Super Bowl teams. So that's where it's different, too. And you'd like the NFL to, yeah, maybe have a better feel for the magnitude of the moment and the grandiosity of it, you know, as far as the NFL is concerned with the two teams there. And, and yeah, there was a little bit of a drop ball as far as that's concerned. By the way, before I start getting emails, grandiosity is a word. It's not accidental scholar or sin. Oh, that is a that I, eat I, it. I just it just sound, I'm so used to that filter, and I'll get the emails. Oh, he said this. Oh, he said that. It's like yeah, it's it's a word. Well, it's I did word. surgicality um, on you know Sunday night football a few weeks ago, and my and it's a word. It's a word, right? But but uh, you know, of course, you know Maria and everybody made fun of me, right? And they were like, oh, he's he's making up words again. And I knew I you was knew. I said we I know. know we because we've been there. <laughs> right. Accidental scholar. My, but my wife was telling me, but my son got embarrassed watching that. Because he was like, why is dad doing that? Why is he making up words? It's embarrassing. Oh. So, yeah, well, really hey, funny. son, Philip, you <laughs> learned a word. I told Surgicality. him. Surgicality. <laughs> I told no. him the next day. Um, I was like, I didn't make that up. I got that one right. <clears throat> I misspoke earlier, or I just can't keep all these amazing plays straight from that game. The Bills defense had 12 in on the field and the stop in overtime as the Vikings were closing in on what looked to be the game-winning touchdown. Yeah, it's Again, this the play. Vikings right. Do, they right. can never do it easily. It's always got to be complicated. They got 12 guys on the field, and that was missed by the officials as well. And, you know, there's a lot going on. Kevin O'Connell, who, who obviously doesn't want to get fined, but he said yesterday, you know, you got a lot going on. You got a lot going on out there on the field, and uh, sometimes things like that happen. But the problem is, in overtime, all of the – replays are initiated by the replay assistant so the coach can't throw the red flag there because that's a challengeable play yeah no i mean challengeable play and you know i mean you lose three yards because of it i mean that that's that's the big problem and then it puts you in a situation where oh no now we got to do something maybe we didn't want to do and what was it two plays later now they get sacked right and on, on third down and you know they were in a tough spot there but i mean that's another one where yeah, you just like to think that this 2022, the NFL as it is right now, that man, 12 guys just can't get on the field in that kind of moment. That's that's but, where but it's it, a little it, it, disheartening. But it, add, it adds to the excitement because instead of the Vikings winning it in that spot, they kick the field goal, the Bills go down the field. And you were saying it. There's going to be one of these lasers down the middle, one of the patented Josh Allen piss missiles right down the middle. It's going to be a touchdown. It's going to be game over. Well, there was one of those throws, and it was game over, but it wasn't a touchdown. And, Chris, we talked about this on your podcast yesterday. I'm concerned that the Bills need to do more self-scouting because the way Patrick Peterson explained both interceptions, this is the result of a guy who's got clearly the physical skills, but the smarts to break down the film and to know when to break in for the ball because he knew what was coming. He knew Gabe Davis was breaking into the middle. He abandoned Davis and went to the ball. First interception, as soon as Allen got out of the pocket, he knew what to do. They're just a little too predictable in the red zone, and the results show too many turnovers in the red zone for Josh Allen recently. Maybe 
maybe defenses are figuring him out, and it's on Ken Dorsey and the coaching staff to get ahead of that curve. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't doubt some of that, and, and, and I'm sure Patrick Peterson had some tells there that he's, you know, he's correct, and he certainly seems like, you know, I know he told you as soon as he saw the guy break inside, he or as soon as he saw the alignment, he felt like he was going to break inside, and I think he said, what did he tell you? When he saw the inside guy go inside, he knew the second guy was going to go saw inside. When he saw David, no, he knew, he knew that he knew – he just knew from the circumstances, recognition, where Gabe Davis was, he was waiting for him to break, and he knew the moment he broke, he knew what was going to happen. Yeah, he went, right. He, went, he, he, de- he defended the quarterback, not the receiver. Well, hey, either way, it was a great play by him. I'm sure there are some tells. You know, your point you're making, too, is, again, I think we're, we, we all look at it and go, it's just they're a little too relying on Josh Allen at times. They are. I mean, he's just he's always the team's leading rusher. And, of course, the magic he makes and a lot of the throws, it's a lot on him. That's why I'm one of those that goes, they need Odell Beckham Jr. People have overrated the skill position of Buffalo. You know, Gabe Davis is real good. He's real good. But he's ultimately a really awesome number three or like a medium-tier number two. Not like, I mean, again, look at some of the one-two punches around football. I, I, I don't put him in the class of some of those guys. So that's where I say that. And then Josh Allen's just been too... You know, that throw was not a great throw. No, that's what I mean. That's not a great throw. It's not even a great decision. It, it was it was a bad decision that was going to take an amazing throw, really, to get the result he wanted, where he's going to have to throw a missile high up in the back of the end zone and put it in the bullseye there. But some of these, I don't look at as Ken Dorsey self-scouts. I just look at it as, I don't know what the hell Josh Allen's doing. I mean, that's really what it is. It's just that... He's trying to make too much happen right now in some moments where, you know, he's just too good to make some of these mistakes he's made over the last three weeks. My son last night was we were talking about the game while watching Commanders Eagles. He said of Odo Beckham Jr., why wouldn't he want to sign with the Vikings after what happened on Sunday? Now, I don't know if there's any room at the end for OBJ when you've got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and uh, TJ Hawkinson, but man, um, you know, you, if, if to the extent that you're in a position where you can pick the winning horse, uh, it's at least it's the most exciting horse. If he decides to do that, that would be something. If it happens, we need to take a break. The Colts did something. Speaking of horses, on Sunday, proving the critics wrong. Let's uh, talk about that a little bit. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. It has been a a. Uh, an intense week, right, for everybody. And and so I think mostly when I'm thinking of myself, not not talking about this organization, but myself, for my family, you know, I don't, I don't I, you know, we had talked about, I don't think they were prepared. I have been very good about not reading, not listening, not really being concerned with, um, but I have had to remind my family, and, and I, I'm glad I do, because I just showed the loyalty we have to each other uh, about, listen, man, the, the, the Lord is our defender. He's our, you know, he promotes, he directs, and, and so, don't be concerned with outside. I felt, you know, I felt conviction about the the opportunity. I knew I was going to take it for um, for those reasons, and and I have no, um, yeah, I got I got no qualms with what anybody says about their opinion. Great. Uh, if they disagree with it, still love them. Not really worried about it. I got other things I got to take care of. Jeff Saturday, coach of the Colts, pretty much summarizing what it means to have thick skin in today's world. Jim Ursay, no thick skin there. All you critics, you criticize all of us in the NFL for losing. 
When we make the right moves to win, you act so righteous. Who you crap and just win, babe. What is who you crap in a reference to? I have no idea. that I should understand? No, I, not that crapping? I know. I was just about to ask you the same thing. It's the, the first thing I thought of when I read it yesterday. I was just like, who you crap in? What is that? I mean, just win, baby, is obviously a shot at the Raiders. Right. Uh, but... Yeah, who you crapping? I, I I don't know. That's that's new. Uh, the, the kids are gonna have to teach me that one. What a shock that Jim Irsay would be a bad winner. I mean, just just take solace in the fact that it wasn't a complete disaster. And also remember, I checked the schedule. You don't play the Raiders every week. Hmm. Just a just a just a just a reminder, Jimmy. You got some games coming up that aren't going to be quite as easy as what you got, sir. But, but a tremendous accomplishment because it was the biggest incident of self-inflicted dysfunction during a season that I can ever remember, short of maybe, maybe, the Browns announcing in November of 1995 that they'd be moving to Baltimore at the end of the season because that just threw the rest of a promising Browns season into the toilet once Art Modell made that announcement. This was a tremendously disruptive and distracting and dysfunctional development, and Kudos to Jeff Saturday. Did enough to turn it around to win. My question, Chris, though, yeah. is, is, yeah. can they keep it going? Can they, can they, will they, once people figure out what Jeff Saturday's Colts do, will they be able to stay ahead, you know, the self-scout, putting in all the time, putting in all the effort, grinding and grinding and grinding, coming up with that little edge that makes a difference. Will they be able to do it? And we'll see. Yeah. We'll I, get to see them literally three times in the next seven games. Prime time. And those games aren't getting flexed. The Sunday night game against the Cowboys is not getting flexed. They're four, five, and one. Why would it be flexed? Right. No, I, I, listen, I, I think there's some things that he can tangibly bring to the table here that we saw in the game the other night or the other day. Is you know, First off, you know, the energy he can bring to the team and and changing, you know, kind of the attitude in the building. Yeah, there's definitely the ability to do that for sure. So, you know, and I think we saw a different vibe from them as a football team. The fact that he got to one again, have a quarterback, Matt Ryan as the quarterback uh, to me, was a big issue. I mean, poor Frank Reich has to bench Matt Ryan because of financial issues and then gets held accountable for, Hey, the offense doesn't look very good. Well, no shit. I mean, duh. I mean, we, we yeah, we got we put a quarterback in because we're trying to save money for the future and not be accountable for that. And we put a guy in that wasn't ready, obviously. So that was bad. I feel bad for Frank right there. But he can change the attitude that Colts defense is real. The Colts defense is like legit one of those top five-ish type of defenses. So they can keep him in the game. And then the one thing I do look at here with Jeff Saturday, and I'll be excited to kind of watch this on film, is did he bring some to the run game a little bit? We haven't seen them run the ball like they did the other day. And Jeff Saturday, an ex-offensive lineman, man, I'd have a hard time thinking he didn't, one, give the offensive line a pep talk, which I know he did and I heard about that, but also maybe just a different hey, wait, when the defense plays this, we, we used to like to block it this way and run this play a whole lot. So I'm, I would bet there was some influence there that helped the football team, and we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, I mean, again, I think we were all fair in, in questioning or criticizing a move that we've never seen done before like this in the history of the NFL. And what struck me yesterday, too, Jeff Saturday told Peter King that one of the reasons he took the job was specifically for the reason of helping other former players get opportunities. I just don't. You get opportunities. Jeff, you could have been offensive line coach twice and you said no. 
the the idea that you could be a former player and walk through the door as the head coach, I still don't like it. It's an affront to the people who are actually busting their asses, putting in the time, making the sacrifices, being away from their families for far less money or glory than being the head coach of the team. The idea that some guy that played for the team more than a decade ago can just show up out of the blue and be the head coach, I just don't think that's fair to the profession. And this kind of echoes what Bill Cowher said on NFL Today, that it's it's a disgrace to the profession. I it it's and I know that I say all the time, football's not as hard as people like to make it seem right. to be. But it's also not as easy as it looks on TV either. Yeah, yeah, I, it, it is. There's a lot that goes on here, you know, and, and Frank Reich and what he did, he laid the train, the, the, the tracks down here for this football team. It's not like they're going to change the way they play football. Gus Bradley's been running the Seattle scheme. He invented that. That's Jeff Saturday's not changing anything there. Offensively, it's not like they're like, whoa, let's blow up the playbook and we're going to do something else. They're still running the same offense. It's just – Maybe the attitude and the approach has changed a little bit through Jeff Saturday. So, hey, maybe he can weather the storm and continue to make them competitive and all that. But I think some of the things we really question and where it goes, that'll be if he keeps the job for next year. And now when the team has to really take on his culture and his style and, you know, how he manages players in offseason and starts to accumulate the coaching staff the right way, That'll be more of a real evaluation of what he can do as a head coach. Right now, he's kind of just a Band-Aid who's looking to give some energy to a football team. And uh, we'll see where it goes. It was a great start. It was. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, but, yeah, this was unusual. And it goes against everything we know in football. And that's where, you know, the Bill Cowers of the world and some of those other guys are questioning that. And, and I, I understand that completely. Here's the other thing, too. All those other people who are on the staff, one of the reasons they're busting their asses is because they're trying to get to the point where they earn that opportunity. If all of a sudden you don't have to earn that opportunity anymore, maybe they'll go coaching college or something. I, it's, 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 you're, you're working your way up the pyramid to the top as an assistant coach, and you want to become a you know, position coach, coordinator, and then if you do well enough, you become a head coach. If that gets short-circuited, that, that, may, that may hurt the profession, and it may cause – talented people to say why why even bother to try to earn this if people who haven't earned it are going to be given the job that I'm trying to earn and I think that's a real point I think that would apply in any industry in any profession why am I here busting my ass if my ultimate door that I'm trying to kick through isn't available to me and the owner's just going to go hire somebody who's never coached before after I've been here all the time it's 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 important and we'll see how it plays out let's take a break uh, more PFT live when we return right after this. Baker Mayfield is back, not because PJ Walker has been benched by the Carolina Panthers. He emerged from Thursday night's game with a high ankle sprain and nobody even knew he had an ankle sprain. He's got a high ankle sprain, which isn't good. That's the kind that knocks you out for a while. That's what Sam Darnold had. This is it for Baker Mayfield, Chris. This is his last chance to prove that he can be a starter next year. A coveted individual. Not somebody who's a Mitch Trubisky band-aid until they draft the next quarterback in round one six weeks after they signed Baker Mayfield. This is it. This is his opportunity. And he's had to humble himself. He's been well-behaved this year. No problems, no outbursts, no issues with the media. But he's got to show 
that he can get it done. Just two years ago, we're talking about this guy making $40 million a year and being a shortlist franchise quarterback. Now he's, he's down to his last chance to continue being. He's already not a starter. P.J. Walker took the job, but this is his last chance to get himself in position to go to free agency and get paid and be a starter next year. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a big moment. We know that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look the optics. Hey, it's a tough situation for Baker Mayfield. I think we both agree he got screwed over in Cleveland. The fact that he played hurt last year hurt his perception around football to a degree. They screwed him over by holding on to him so long and not giving him options. And he's now got to be a part of a team that dysfunctional. I don't think there's any way to say it as far as, yeah, we fired a coach a few weeks ago uh, before the midway point of the season. The offense is not very good. You know, they traded away Robbie Anderson. So it's not going to be easy. And, and, hey, lucky to you. Hey, Baker Mayfield, you get to come back and play the Ravens and the Broncos next to two weeks. How <laughs> great. You know, that's what's rough, too. And, again, P.J. Walker did a nice job. There's no doubt about that. But I just hope the expectations don't change here. Baker Mayfield, look at what P.J. Walker did. Just be careful. Play the game. Try to play through your defense and see if you can win that way. I mean, P.J. Walker, other than the fourth quarter against the Falcons, has not done anything special. He just hasn't messed games up, I think, is what we could really say. Made some bad interceptions against the Bengals. Last week it was the run game, right? So, you know, maybe Baker can, can follow that mold that, that he has set here. And there's the tension. Running the offense, staying within the confines of the game plan, Trusting the defense, trusting Deontay Foreman. And on the other hand, the temptation, go out there, make a big throw in a big spot. Try to do too much to get the attention of the people who are going to be deciding who gets the money and who gets the jobs in 2023. That's going to be a tough balance for Baker Mayfield. Because, I mean, look, this guy was the first pick in the draft. And by all indications, he was on his way to checking the box of being good, not being a bust. And now he's he's in that no man's land. And he's trying to will his way back to boom out of bust. And that that mindset isn't conducive to doing what the Panthers are going to want him to do to try to win football games. No, you're Potentially. right. Potentially. That's where he's got to be careful. He does. And, and, and also be careful of not falling in the trap of like, hey, you're Baker Mayfield. You only threw for 120 yards last week. You know, that's the, that's the problem. What's, wrong? What's right. wrong? Right. That's the problem when you're the number one pick and you came from Oklahoma and you do all that. And then, but P.J. Walker does the same thing and everybody goes, well, look, he won the game. He did everything he could to help them win that game. And that's where I don't always love the, you know, underrated backup quarterback gets the, gets the you know, accolades for that kind of play. And then the superstar quarterback, when they play that way, exactly right. We go, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's, why isn't he making plays? What's going on here? And, you know, again, I, I don't think things are going to change drastically in Carolina to where they're going to start the world on fire offensively. So hopefully he can just limit mistakes, make a play here and there, and they can be competitive and he can pull out you know, a game, but damn, I mean, yeah, he's got to play two tough defenses the next few weeks. That's that's not going to be easy. When we return, the Week 10 Statement Draft, it's usually the Sunday Statement, but since it's on Tuesday, we can include Monday as well. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Simsisms. Diamond in the Haystack. I actively thinking he's trying to think outside the box that he thinks this is going to shake out the system and he's going to find, you know, a diamond in the haystack here or, you know, what is it? Diamond and whatever somewhere. 
you know, uh, but either way. Is that I, a new one? You know, he might be a, 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 you know, a, you know, what do they say? A diamond in the haystack or what What the heck? No, that's a needle in the haystack. What is needle it? in the haystack, diamond in the rough. Diamond in the rough, right. So, you know. Concrete you get, line in the sand. Uh, right. Simsism. <laughs> yes, it's the greatest hits album. We've got the original Simsism. We've got volume two. And then we've got the ones that are so old we've forgotten about them and we're bringing them back. All right. Sunday statement, Monday statement, Thursday statement, week 10 statement draft. We saved it just for you, Chris. We have kind of softly retired goats. In I like it. I like it. The so pressure. Put it, I put it on you. You can put the kibosh on it. It's awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, you're up first, as always. Whoever, team, unit, whatever, coach, anyone, player, kicker, whoever, made the biggest statement. Who do you got? Well, I'm going to go to uh, Green Bay. I think Christian Watson, when you talk about individual players, one made one of the biggest statements of, of the weekend. You know, the, in the simple fact of, hey, wait, you know, whoa, is Green Bay finally got something here that they can, you know, push the ball down the field and Aaron Rodgers can feel comfortable to go, okay, I will push the ball down the field to this guy. And this guy can fly. You know I loved him in the draft. I really thought, other than Jamin Williamson for Alabama, I thought this was the second best receiver. I mean, he's big. You know, he's physical, and he can really run, as we saw. And there was nobody on Dallas, and I was shocked that they did not put Trayvon Diggs on him after the, fir- the first touchdown. There's nobody on Dallas, and there's really not going to be many people in football that can run with this guy. And uh, I thought that was a big-time statement, not only for Green Bay and the fact that, hey, look at you guys pushing the ball. Aaron Rodgers, 14 completions for 224 yards? I mean, the Aaron Rodgers we've seen as of late, 14 completions means, like, 42 yards, you know, 65 yards. So that was, a, I think, a big statement by them and by Watson. I was thinking Aaron Jones from that game. Uh, he had he was damn good, too. Yards, yeah. And he did the homage to Marshawn Lynch. Oh, which grabbing the crotch. Right. I can't believe they didn't yeah, even flag yeah, that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mar- Marshawn referred, that, referred to that on Conan O'Brien's show as grabbing my ding-ding. That's <laughs> the name of the... I don't know. That we, can we say that? Oh, well, well why we, we did. Ding, we, ding. We just did. Yep. We just did. So we can. Uh, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Okay. Um, look, I, I gotta, you got to go. I, we've talked about Justin Jefferson plenty. And that's I know. Go pick. ahead. I, I left them Patrick, for you. I'm gonna go pa- Listen, okay. I'm going to go Patrick Peterson because the statement he made to me after the game literally was, we were ready for Josh Allen. We wanted Josh Allen. We're sick of hearing all this talk about we haven't played good teams. We haven't played good quarterbacks. We have now. What are you going to say now? And I don't know whether he was talking to me personally or just generally. What are you going to say now (laughs) after we've beaten a good team with a good quarterback? So the Vikings threw Patrick Peterson making the ultimate statement in beating Josh Allen and the Bills. You can no longer say they haven't beaten anyone good. No, you cannot. And, you know, I mean, of course, I think as a team and and some individual players, they probably made the biggest statements of the of the weekend for sure. I did. I, you know. I'm already Vikinged out. I got purple fever. I am. Oh, I, you were. You, uh, listen, you were Vikinged out <laughs> before that game even ended. I was. Yes. Because you, you knew you were going to have to deal with me. Uh, not just this week, next week, the next week, the next week. And can you imagine how much fun we'll have in Arizona all week? Oh, long my gosh. You're, yeah. If. 
the Vikings somehow, what? somehow right. keep that shamrock properly inserted. Are you going to get a tattoo uh, if they win the Super Bowl? Somehow. Put it on yes. right now. Yes. You will? Absolutely. What kind, of, Absolutely. what kind of tattoo? You're not going to get Kirk Cousins, maybe just the Viking symbol or something? Maybe the Vikings logo. I don't know. Yeah. If Kirk Cousins is the MVP. I got to get a Kirk Cousins tattoo. I will honor that. <laughs> I love it. But, <laughs> but yeah, oh, if they win the Super Bowl, I'll get a Vikings tattoo. I All will. right. All right. I will. Where, where, where would you get a tattoo? Where would you get? Forehead. Well, that would be an improvement. <laughs> like shoulder. Shoulder. All right. Right. All right. Good. I don't know. I don't Ass, know. You're damn Vikings. Shoulder, I still don't know if I know if I think they're very good, but they're winning games. I know. Way good. To go. Keep yeah. saying it. Keep saying it. All right. Who you got next? Uh, I'm going to go to Munich, Germany on this one and pick the Buccaneers defense. Uh, you better statement, be on notice. Bucks D's healthy. Watch out. Watch out. Seattle. Been moving the ball on just about everybody, making big plays. Man, it was tough sledding against that group. And that's where, you know, I know you've mentioned it. Brady, he was comfortable. They ran the ball well, right? So they got to play play action. And then, of course, that defense was really, really damn good to where, yeah, Tampa, if that defense can play like that, they're going to scare any team they play. And uh, they'll be a pain in the butt in the playoffs. Everything was perfect for the Bucks on Sunday except that ridiculous trick play that that never should have been in the game plan. It never should have been called. It never should have been designed. It uh, I don't know why they seen. called it that moment, too. They it were marching really down the field. It made no sense. Ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. it almost opened the door for the Seahawks to, yes. to come back. It was only 14-3 at the time, and right. it, it changed everything. Um, what was the next one for me? Oh, Saquon Barkley. Career-high 35 carries, Woo! 152 yards. It's just this very gradual, methodical I mean, the Giants are going to be top five in the power rankings. They're going to be number four, spoiler alert, when I go downstairs and publish these things in a few minutes. The Giants are just getting it done. They're seven and two. Here they are. They're in second place. They're a game behind the Eagles. The G-Men. up for a contract. All right, round three when we wrap up this Tuesday. G-Men Vikings NFC Championship. We know what goes on there. Blowout for the G-Men. Round three of the Week 10 Statement Draft. There are the first two rounds. Chris, you're up with your final pick. You know, I don't even know. There's some of these teams, I, I think I'm going to actually go like a negative statement here. Yeah, we never said these had to be positive Goats statements. in a bad way. Yeah. Oh, we'll bring back goats in a bad way if you want. Well, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Rams just as a football team and that they made a statement to go that they're, they're not real and that the season's over. Like it, it's not going to happen this year. It's not. And then I think when you add on the Cooper Cup injury to that, I mean, he's the only kind of bright spot on their offense. I, I don't see it. I, there's no way it turns around. It, it's one of the worst offensive lines in football. The defense is still good, but it's not like dominant good, strip sack fumble, interception pick six. We can carry the team that way. So uh, I'm going to go with the Rams with a bad statement on Sunday. I'm going to go to the other side of that same game just to wedge in the point you and I discussed in the break a little while ago. Colt McCoy getting it done with Kyler Murray hurt. There's a, a, a local affiliate, and I think it's an NBC affiliate, 12 in Arizona. They did a poll in the aftermath of that game as to who the starting quarterback of the Cardinals should be, and I know that these online polls can be unreliable. But it was Colt McCoy 84%, Kyler Murray 16%, which is stunning. That's amazing. And Colt McCoy... Colt McCoy goes in and takes care of business and runs the offense, and, and, and it works when Colt McCoy plays. He's nowhere close to Kyler Murray from a physical skill standpoint, 
but that's something to watch, Chris. Uh, I mean, it, it, it you know, it, it's crazy. And you know, I don't always love that when the backup comes in and plays good. And we go, let's just bench the guy we, you know, used to care about. Mike but White. It ain't looked pretty with Kyler Murray so far this year. That's it for today. Enjoy your Tuesday. See you tomorrow. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.